We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tries to win it. Hang your wins. The Missouri Tigers and the Kansas Jayhawks. Welcome, everybody, to the Border War podcast on the Kansas City Sports Network. We're presented by 360 Vodka, another edition of the Border War podcast. Happy to be joined by my partner in crime, Jeff Hawkins. Yes. I'm Jared Sutton. Jeff, how you doing, man? How's the uh, how's the weekend? Uh, going good, man. You know, a lot of a lot of interesting things going on with, with, with college basketball. You know, we'll touch on it. But, you know, it's another good weekend, man. I got got a little bit of extra day with no President's Day. So I got some some family time and. Got a little coaching as well, too. Just got back from practice. I'm, I just drove back from practice to get to this spot. But uh, we get to hang out. So I had a good weekend, man. Can't complain. I forgot about President's Day. No no school, right? Yeah, no, 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 no school uh, for no us. Class. It's a big three-day weekend. But in a coach's world, especially in high school hoops, <laughs> man, you still got a lot going on. Yeah, it was, <laughs> no, a, yeah, it was a normal day. <laughs> normal day. Well, it's funny. We we got two weeks left, man. Here we go. We start in two weeks until yeah. we, uh, we start talking about Selection Sunday and NCAA tournament. So let's get to We got a lot to cover, actually. I know it's uh, we, we had a pod last week, so there's, uh, there's only a couple. Mizzou had two games. Kansas had one. But just a lot of storylines, especially with the Super Bowl ending and college basketball yeah. kind yeah. of taking center stage. A lot to, to dive into. So let's go ahead and start with uh, we'll we'll start with Kansas and uh, okay. they they go to they go to Morgantown they go to West Virginia and and get a, a good win every win and Big Twelve plays a good win especially around this time of the year. Kansas improves to twenty two and four. They're eleven and two in Big Twelve conference play. Uh, Jayhawks led for m- more than thirty five minutes in this game. Outscored West yeah. Virginia um, forty to twelve in the paint. Just dominated the paint. That's a great sign. And they won the re- won the rebounding battle as well. They were plus seventeen on the glass. So Really good performance. West Virginia got close around the 13-minute mark of the second half, and then Kansas put the foot on the gas and, and went away with a double-digit win. Good win for Kansas. Ochai Baji plays really well. He was Big 12 code, Big 12 Player of the Week. Uh, but David McCormick, a double-double, really good. Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson. It seems like Kansas' top guys played really, really well in that Morgantown win in West Virginia. Yeah, and you know any any win that you can get in Morgantown, you know I, I never had the ex, uh, the experience to play there, but I just know uh, the type of coach that Bobby Huggins has. Just I've followed Bobby Huggins throughout my whole career, and I just know the level uh, of play that his players normally play up to. So obviously, if you can get a win there, and he's created a great atmosphere there at West Virginia, so it's always tough for the Jayhawks to play there. But yeah, like you said, man. 
Uh, they played great. They in some stretches, uh, it got a little scary. Uh, just when you talk about from a standpoint, uh, making sure that you can uh, kind of close out, whether it's close out a half the right way or just close out the game. Uh, a couple of times where KU just kind of let that look, that lead kind of slip away and kind of gave uh, uh, West Virginia a couple of times where they felt, you know, man, we're in this game. We can win it. So, uh, but, you know, I, I, uh, I really feel KU needs to clean some things up on that end. But, you know, you can't be greedy when you walk away on the road in the Big 12 uh, with the win. And obviously, like you said, uh, McCormick, I think he played uh, – Really stepped up and played good. 19 points, 11 rebounds, doing on doing it on both ends of the floor. And the Jayhawks really needed uh, for needed him to be able to to come up like that. And obviously, you know, Ochin, uh, 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 excuse me, Jalen, uh, kind of did their thing as well too. CB didn't have the night he normally did. Didn't shoot as much as he normally did, uh, but he still got uh, nine points. Uh, excuse me, nine points, 11 rebounds. So. I got to be happy with Jayhawks. Got to be happy with that win. Yes, the food came up, played 13 minutes, did some positive things as well too, uh, down the stretch. So uh, all in all, you got to be uh, if you're a Jayhawk fan, you still got to be happy with the way the Jayhawks played and still being uh, up 11. I mean, being 11 and two in the Big 12 conference as well too. Absolutely, Kansas shot the ball well from the free throw line. To, to yes. your point of closing games are 18 to 22, and when you go on the road, make free throws. Uh, that's a really good sign. I, I do want to give some love to, to Ochak Baji, um, who was Big 12 Co-Player of the Week yeah. that was announced today. Fourth time this season he's received that honor. He averaged yeah. 21 game, 21 points per game last week. He shot 13 of 14 from the line, which is mm -hmm. where he's struggled a little bit. You know, he's been in the 70s, uh, but really yeah. converted the free throw line. But how about this? He surpassed 1,400 career points at West Virginia, which I think is a huge statement. He's wow. at fourteen. He's at fourteen hundred points. He scored twenty or more points in fourteen games this season, Jeez. and he, you know, Kansas only hit three threes Jeez. in that game at West Virginia, and he's the one that hits all three. So, Ochai is continuing to just put his mark on yeah. his career at Kansas. He's gotten better every year, and he's he's you know, look, this is it's tough to go all season where yeah. you're averaging close to over twenty a game. You're in the conversation for yeah. the Wooden Award. Yeah. You're shooting over forty five percent from three, like to maintain, and you know this that consistency and efficiency we talk yeah, about week. yes there it there is there it is i mean yeah Ocha, don't make Ocha me smile by just... saying those two words don't make <laughs> me smile <laughs> ocha has lived up to it and you know yeah. there's been games where obviously you know he has a, maybe a two for seven or as every player goes through but he is he has really put his mark on this team this year and he's gonna end up being one of the better players coach self has had at kansas yeah for sure and you i mean good i'm i'm, I'm glad that you said that because you literally took the words right out of my mouth uh, when you really talk about that consistency, him doing it at a consistent level. But then I know I was going to try to squeeze in that efficiency. I know that's your word, man. <laughs> you but, he, but, but you beat me to it, man. But, you know, being consistent and efficient, Jared, you already know. Like, if you can, if you can, any player, not even just in on in sports, just in the business world, if you can be consistent and efficient, oh, my gosh, good things are going to happen. And I think that's what Ochai's uh, done and it's – it's been really remarkable to see. And, I mean, geez, he's just consistently – I mean, you think about it. Every four games, he's adding another 100 points to, to that yeah. total. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy really to think about really what he's doing. And you talked about it, Coach Self. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the one of the top players that Coach Self has coached. Just even – just thinking about even where he started from, pulling his red shirt his yeah. freshman year and him not – 
just getting thrown into the fire and him coming out like, bam. So uh, that kid has continued to grow and it's going to be fun to watch him continue to grow because I think he's going to, he can only get better. One of the things I've seen from him, Jeff, that I, I think is impressive that I don't think he was doing last year is let's face it. Defenses are honing in on, honing in on him, face guarding him. Yeah. They're physical with him. They can, you know how shooters are. It's shooters yeah. mentality especially when you're counted on to make shots and you got to make tough shots and defenses are running at you. You got help side defenses, you know, sending two, sending three at you. You put the ball on the floor, you're in a crowd, you know, to be that consistent. I I know we talk about it. It's easier said than done, Uh, especially the mental part of it. When you miss a couple shots and you got to stay aggressive from, for your team. And I think Ocha has just slowly been patient and continued to work and work and work and work. And the work ethic has always been there since he was a red shirt to now, like he just, he's a grinder. He really is. And I think that's what is going to be what I think about with Ochai is he's got to this point because he just, he's continued to stay positive. He's continued to work, but his mentality has changed this year in a sense that I think this year he's, he's reading defenses. He's more cerebral. He's understanding how to use his screen. He's understanding how to get open on, you know, a drive from Dewan or a drive from Christian or the ability to get his feet down on a weave where he can get into a shot quickly. Like yeah. there's little changes he's made this year where I think that's why he's been so efficient is he's really studied those areas. And he's always talked about being more assertive, just being more aggressive that we knew that had to be the case for him yeah. this year, especially for Kansas to have the season they're having. But I also just really give him a lot of credit of he's a shooter and everybody knows he's a shooter and everybody's going to hone in on him. And he's yeah. continued to be productive, game in, game out. And you look at his stat lines, and he's been efficient across the board. I think the only thing you can poke holes in his game is the free throw shooting. And now you're starting he's to see him make some free throws <laughs> over the last week. So it's a good sign as we continue to get into March. You know what? You know, you talk about consistency, efficiency. And I think one of the things that you can add into that category with Ochai, too, is his ability to want to get better. And he does that at a high level. I mean, you take that. You, you, you. This is a kid that you you show him a weakness in his game, and this is a this is kind of the coach self mindset. You know, I talk to my players about this, trying to turn a negative into a positive. Ochai is the prime example of that. He will take his weaknesses, what he can't do, what he needs to learn. Um, and I think really this summer, you know, getting a little taste of of the NBA and getting some feedback from an evaluation standpoint, you know, he took those evaluations and he went and worked on it. Most people, they just go get the valuations and they continue to play the way that they normally have played. Ocha is showing that he is willing to listen, allow people to criticize his weaknesses. And then I only take that, really look yourself in the mirror and say, well, these are my weaknesses. I'm going to turn these weaknesses into my strengths. And you can see a guy like that is just untouchable because there's nothing you can do. If he has a weakness, a weakness, you know he's doing something to work on it. And guys like that are tough to stop. And they're just, those are guys that you want in your program. I love what he's added to his game too. I, I, I talked a little bit about shot selection. Like I think he's, yeah studied himself and watched film and you know self-awareness is critical in player's development right it can't just be a coach nagging on you you have to be honest with yourself and i like how he's like uh, there's moments where he's number one he's added a shot fake that is really i think that Uh he can get defenders uh off balance another thing is he can get to his spots in terms of he's pulling up and in a mid-range 
And I, I am a believer that the mid-range game is not dead. It's still a good mm-hmm. shot, especially when you're a good shooter. Yeah. And it beats it beats the, the you know the opposite of that where you're driving in, running over a guy for a charge, mm-hmm. you know, taking a bad shot. If you're wide open, you're a good shooter and you have a wonderful pull-up in your game. That's a good shot. You'll take yes. that shot, right? And Ochai's done that. I think that's a, there's just these little pieces to his yeah. game where I think it's an evolution and it touches on, like you said, him working and doing all these little things but i also think it's the studying of the game and continuing yeah. to just like well i'm a, I'm a senior I'm, I'm an older upperclassman but there's still like this itch for him to always continue to get better and i do think it's what you touched on it's the feedback where he wants to be great he wants to be a great player but he's also not going to be someone he's not and yeah. that's what yeah. i really like about yeah. him is he's not yeah. trying to go do things that he can't do He's excelling at things that he's very good at, and that's yep. why he stood out this year. And he's got a chance to win the Wooden Award because of it. Yep. So that is perfectly said. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I did. I did want to touch on two kids. Perfectly said. Yeah, and and look, let, let's face it. He's he's carrying this team. He's there. He's you know the, the best player on this team. But I also think like he he took fifteen shots, was eight of fifteen, and he's allowed David to get twelve shots. Mm-hmm. Right. He's allowed Christian to get nine. Like yeah. he's not just volume yeah. and that helps the yeah. other guys on your team. That's why this thing goes for yeah. Kansas as well. Um, they get K-State. Super uh, efficient. <laughs> Super efficient. That's right. They get K-State at home, Jeff. I, I just am curious, like you, you've played in a lot of like Sunflower showdowns. Um, obviously, you know, Kansas, this is a rivalry for Kansas. I don't yeah. want to like overlook that. Um, you know, K-State's been sneaky. Yeah, uh, man. You know, they're, tough to, <laughs> they're tough to figure Jeez. out. They got they got three guys that can really go. Nigel Pack can obviously score the ball at a high level. He reminds yeah. me of Jacob Pullen a lot, actually. Uh-huh. Um, he can really score. He's got range. I mean, man. And he went off against Kansas in Manhattan. Yep. And Kansas was able to come come back and <laughs> yep. win. Ochai had a big shot. What are you expecting of this game in Allen Fieldhouse? I mean, this seems to me like a game. Kansas just got a big win on the road. They're coming home. They've been good at home. You can't overlook K-State because I think they're a little no. bit dangerous. How do you – you know, you've been in some of these games yeah. where you know you're probably the favorite, but you cannot let off the gas even in Allen Fieldhouse because a team can get hot and be in a game. Yeah, I've, I mean, I don't know what the streak was before. How many – I mean, the streak was – it was – uh, I forgot. It might have been over 100-something games that K-State hadn't won. At, uh, the streak was going on, but – well. My year, I think it was 2006, my senior year. Well, that we snapped that streak. I forgot it was like a hundred and maybe thirty. I'm thinking like a hundred and thirty games we had. Long a, time. Yeah, long time. <laughs> long, so long time. But yeah, they. I mean, again, and I don't think that year K State was the strongest, but they came in and they they snapped the streak. And you know, uh, we had a young team with the Mario Chalmers, Brandon Rush. Julian Wright, we had a, you know, Russell Robinson, we had a real fiery young team that actually kind of went off and did some good things moving forward. We ended up uh, winning the Big 12 that year, but uh, the championship, and it's tough when you talk about K-State, man, like, this is a game that sometimes KU fans that like to joke on this stuff, players don't get into it, but they'll try to say like, yeah, this is their, like a national championship game for them because it's, it's going to be a big spotlight. It's going to be a big game and it's going to be a, a sold out crowd. They know anytime they step into um, 
Allen Fieldhouse, it's going to be 16,300 screaming fans. And that environment is always fun to play in, whether you're an opponent or obviously the home team. So I would expect this game to be tough and gritty. K-State has shown that they can play with KU even at their, their home. And K-State's still a good team. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a this is a Big 12 team. They're in the middle of the pack. And, again, they would love to. Can they win the Big 12? Mm, probably not. But could they put a sour taste in the Jayhawks if they could either get somebody to split the Big 12 with them or have the Jayhawks not win the Big 12 title at all? I think they would – I think uh, the, the K-State Wildcats would love if they could do that. So it's going to be a tough game. And KU. They just got they're, – they're used to it. They always get everybody's best shot. Uh, they just can't overlook this K-State team because this is a team that had them down and controlled the game mm-hmm. at their place. And I think this is a team that's going to come in and play with no fear. Bruce Weber's team's always well-coached on the defensive end. And right now, K-State, uh, they're starting to get uh, some guys that can really score the ball on the offensive end as well too. So I'm thinking this is going to be a good game. Uh, but if the Jayhawks, I think if they, the way they've been playing, if they do, if they play the right way and, and, and quote unquote, what coach self likes to say, play the right way, uh, they K state, they K state should not be a problem for them. And K state too, uh, you know, going into the weekend, they played Oklahoma state and, and lost a tough one, yeah. but K state was in that like last four in bubble watch and they mm-hmm. lose. And now, I mean, their margin for obviously is so thin. They, they, they got some work to do. They need this. If they yeah. get this win, that helps them a yeah. ton in terms of how they could get in the tournament. So this is a game they've circled. This is their Super Bowl, to your point. Yeah. Not just because it's Kansas, but because they this they have to have this game to start talking sure. about the NCAA tournament. Getting in the bubble, sure. they probably have to do some things in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. Like Anytime you're getting into that conversation, there's you're, you cannot drop games, and they lost yeah. A tough one, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State played the best they've played in Big 12 play and shot it really well. And K-State yeah. lost a tough one. So this is going to be an interesting game. I'm actually looking forward to this game, especially because yeah. the first it's... one in Manhattan was a great one. And K-State's yeah. got a lot to play for. Uh, so it'll be a good one. That's that's, uh, that's tomorrow night. Allen Fieldhouse Tuesday night should be a good one. ESPN, baby. Anytime right, ESPN's man. out, come on. <laughs> this is big, Shout this out big to Dickie V, too, man. Shout out to Dickie V. That's right. That's right. Always. Voice of college basketball still always will be. Um, Let's switch gears here. Let's talk about Mizzou. Um, They had a a, relatively like an NBA schedule, right? They had a back-to-back, a makeup game. So they played Friday night in Starkville, and then they played in Columbia Sunday night last night. Um, And, look, the game in Starkville, Mizzou down double digits. It was an ugly game. Uh, Missouri really didn't have much going for them offensively. Uh, They come back to Columbia, still a game that was – yeah, relatively evenly played uh, in terms of very similar to what it was in Starkville. Only Missouri had a little bit more momentum in the first half, but they didn't close the first half. And Mississippi State's 0-7 in true road games going into that game in Columbia. And Missouri ends up finding ways to lose. And that's been the theme right now for Mizzou. They lose. Mizzou shot nine free throws. I believe Mississippi State shot 26 free throws. So the discrepancy was at the free throw line. Uh, and Mizzou gives up a, a game late. They were had a lead under five minutes. They had a lead under three minutes. Their final possessions in this game were really bad. And this, this Mizzou team, not a three-point shooting team, down three. They try to get a three from Javon Pickett, who actually has been playing really well for this team. Yeah. He's a senior, and he's, he's had a pretty good run over the last few weeks. 
but he was 0 of 6 from three. And Missouri doesn't get a clean look and, and their possessions late, ran, ran the entire shot clock, didn't get a good shot, and Mizzou ends up losing a game. And this is tough because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this stat, and this is something that I think is more of a reflection of where the Mizzou basketball program is at. Um, Mizzou right now has the worst, fourth worst record in the last 50 years. They have a 37% winning percentage. They have the fourth worst home record the last 50 years. And the three teams that have the worst top three records in the last 50 years were the Kim Anderson years. Kim had three teams that had the worst records in the last 50 years. So you're talking in the last, you know, the four out of the last 10 years, you're talking the worst record yeah. in Mizzou basketball history. And that's tough pill to swallow for Mizzou fans. Yeah, Mizzou, Mizzou now seven games under 500. Um, they have really, really struggled uh, in terms of closing games out. And they've been in games. We've talked about that. But an ugly night uh, for Mizzou last night to, to lose the game they probably should have won. Uh, and then to lose back-to-back games. And I, I only think there's one really winnable game um, for Mizzou, and that's Georgia at home. Now, they do get Tennessee at home, and that could be an upset. I mean, Mizzou is capable of yeah. knocking off a team. We've talked about that, Jeff. Like, they, they are, mm-hmm. they're tough. They'll, they'll be in games. They do not have enough talent. They do not have enough firepower. But if you're in a game at home late in league play, yeah. you got a chance. You yeah. know, you got a chance. So. I'm curious to see what they do against Tennessee. I, I hope they can beat Georgia because um, I do think it would be good for them to end the year on a high note because losing yeah. last night was just more of the same yeah. for the fan base. And there's a lot of apathy that is set in. There's a lot of chatter out there of what's where's this program going, right? What's next for this program when we've now had, you know, the fourth worst season record-wise in the last 50 years? That's a really tough, tough thing to say. And I, I hate it for Conzo Martin. I hate it for the players. You know, that's not what they wanted. That's not the what they envisioned yeah. the season being. But it is what it is. And there's a lot to look at right now in terms of where this program's at with four games to go. And right now staring at possibly 10 games under 500 in terms of where they're going to finish. That's, that's going to be really a disappointment. And a lot of questions are going to be out there for Mizzou moving forward of what's what's the next – play right now for the Mizzou basketball program and where they're trying to go. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I know Mizzou fans are trying to Mizzou fans, the players, you know, they're trying to, trying to figure it out. Uh, That's a tough one, but you know what, that's, that's kind of when the, you know, it's really the the players, no matter the players, I just always got to feel like they just, they always got to stick together and try to take up as much ownership as they can. And, um, you got four games. You got four games left. You know, still one. Try to try to, like you said, try to steal one. I mean, try to go two and two if you can. Try to steal one, or if you're gonna go, if you're gonna, like I said, if you're gonna lose all four, just compete. Just compete. Yep. No matter what yep. what it is, if it's man, we didn't execute down the stretch, whatnot. You know what? Let's just as players, let's just make sure we give our ourselves a chance and if the chips don't fall on this you know we didn't execute down the stretch to me i think that when a team really doesn't execute down the stretch sometimes it might fall on the coaches uh, a majority of the time but players just give yourselves a chance and go out there and play hard and and finish the season strong i think that's where their focus needs to needs to be right now because they still have four games left uh postseason hopes those aren't hopeful but but why would you want to, you know, to way, the way I see it is like you got four games. Why would you not want to give it your all in those four games? 
which to me is going to be momentum for coming into the next season. How you finish, how you finish is also going to give you momentum to how you're going to start next season. At least, at least that's kind of the, the mindset I would approach it. So go out, go out with a bang. Cause you might surprise yourself. You might just go out and win three of the four. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what can happen? But if you, if you attack it from a defeated mindset before you give yourself a chance, then, um, you just can't really expect anything great to happen. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Jeff, they, um, I want to put your, your coaching hat on for a second because Mizzou yeah. has had issues closing games. And it was it, the, the number that really jumps out at me from last night is Mizzou uh, missed their last seven shots of the first half with a lead. They gave up that lead. They didn't have a field goal the final five minutes. And they've had stretches where they've really struggled on offense. And obviously, as you know, it's it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's, right? You got to yeah. have players. You got to have talent. You yeah. got to have guys that can go make plays. But I will say that with Mizzou, some of these losses, late game execution, usage of timeouts, uh, what play you draw up, right? Your ATO. Mm -hmm. I think that's starting to become a a question for fans of like, they're starting to realize that's a big part of coaching. I think Bill Self is one of the best in the country at late game execution, calling a play. And you know, you have sets, you have plays you go to, you can counter off of. But anytime you're in that final three-minute period, two-minute period, final minute, there's usually a timeout. You're drawing one up. You're trying to find something that you've seen in-game to adjust yeah. to or put the ball in your best player's hands who can make a play and go go attack or, or make a shot. 
how do you address that? Because Mizzou has really had a hard time, not even, you know, getting a good shot, a basic shot on offense, but fouling late when they shouldn't foul, not using timeouts properly, um, not knowing when to foul, all these things that are critical in close games in college basketball. How do you handle that in terms of a coaching standpoint, preparation, what you think about in those late game situations. Yeah. You know what? And I, like you said, co self, I think is one of the, the best. And, you know, as a high school coach, I try to mimic that, you know, out of timeouts, you know, being able to make sure in a situation like that, depending on how the game, if you don't have guys that can score the ball, somebody at in every game is going to have the hot hand, whether it's a big hot hand or a little hot hand. So be able to have sets and be able to have, you know, uh, play calls where you can make specific specifically excuse me for that player whether it's on the post a guard getting to the getting to their hot spot driving to the basket wherever whatever it may be you got to have those in but at the end of the day always feel that boy it, it falls down on the coach you know whether it's calling timeouts at the right time you know players aren't doing that you know and, and all that comes from preparation and sometimes when uh, a coach draws up on the playbook or excuse me on the coaching board and comes out sometimes the players don't execute it right but again if you go back it goes all to preparation so maybe as a coach maybe as a coach you're not doing it as much because you're trying to draw it up fast speed in the game and these players their mind is going so fast maybe they're not getting it so always still think at the end of the day it falls down uh to the coach as far as making sure they're prepared for those but as a coach you just got to be able to recognize that i think coach self is one of the best at that because i mean like you said ato with him is man out of a timeout i just with just playing for him i just always knew how to timeout like we're good like yeah you know you have nothing to worry about and uh and i've also played you know for coaches where out of a timeout it's just like Man, let's hope let's, I, we're praying this works. So, um, I, I just think you just got to, like you said, like you said, prepare, prepare and repetition, man. Yeah, prepare and I repetition think, helps get those situations and recon, recognizing. Also, I, I think it, it lots to be said too. We used to do this in practice with Coach Anderson, with Mike Anderson when I was in, in college. And when we would scrimmage, you know, you get up and down in those like first fall practices. You know, you're weeks from games and yeah. you're sick of dr- doing drills and, you know, you're you're through that phase. And then it's like, let's get a scrimmage in. Let's try to yeah. mix this up, whatever. They bring officials. I think that was a good time okay. for the coaches yeah. and players, too, to get like we would call timeouts and we would simulate yeah. in yeah. practice. That's funny and I think that, that gives I think that's good for young coaches and, and coaches to, like, put themselves in those positions in practice with those players. And I think you can learn a lot. All right. Who are my guys that are going to execute yeah. play? Who are the guys that are listening that are going to be able to exit? That's a big part of it. You're, you bring up a great point. You can't have guys on the floor that aren't going to know what to do. And sometimes that gets lost. So why is so-and-so yeah. not on the floor? Well, maybe it's because they've had issues with a, a play call where he's not in the right spot. The ball's yeah. supposed to go to one side and he's on the other side, right? Th- those are problems and you can't have that late in game. But I, I think it like to your point, repetition is everything. And I do think it's practicing those I always yeah. equate it to like the two minute offense in football. Like, you know, yeah. coaches are doing that in training camp constantly. Like you're put in those situations. So you know how to close halves and yeah. you know how to, you know, use your ATOs and use your timeouts and give yourself one minute. Like don't sit there for three minutes 
trying to in practice trying to talk to your guys like simulate the times yeah. simulate the yeah. time out because you're only going to get that in game you have to have yeah. everything be what it would be in a game uh and that that to me is also really important and i think that's the, the history of coach self i think he's just evolved in terms of he's taken so many things from different games whether obviously his experience at kansas but his experience at Illinois, his experience yeah. at Oral Roberts. I mean, yeah, he has some great players at Illinois. He had some great players mm-hmm. at Oral Roberts too. Yeah. Uh, and, and Tulsa, like, you know, like he had guys that were able to execute. And I just think you, you take all those things with you as a coach where I, I'm just, I would always love to just break it down with coach self sometime of like, okay, you called this play. Where did you get this play? Where did you draw <laughs> this up from? Was this 20 years ago? Was this yeah. five years ago? Did you get this, you know? And sometimes coaches steal from other coaches too. No, you know that's always, going on too. All the time. Always. I, I'm so. curious to like where his like little play, like he has to have like a little playbook where he's just like, all right, yeah, we're gonna, all right, we're gonna put this one in. Yeah, I like this one, right? I'm gonna draw that. Like yeah. he has to have like this little secret little play. It's like hidden in his desk, somewhere under his desk. <laughs> hey, somewhere. to be honest, it's probably hidden right up in here because that's that right. has that's a right. freaking photographic memory and like he has a memory like an elephant man he doesn't forget anything <laughs> we had a coach uh casey hills who's an assistant on our staff in new orleans i was with him in santa cruz when he was the head coach of the g league warriors and i will never forget on like plane rides at dinners uh he would just get a napkin out and he would just <laughs> draw i mean it was like he was thinking something and he had to <laughs> get it down like it, it was it was That's so funny. fascinating to watch him because <laughs> He would think it, but he had to write it. Like he had to draw it out, and he would get a, a he would get tissue paper, he would get a napkin. Uh, it didn't That's matter. Fun. He'd get printer paper That's out, awesome, and, just, That's and awesome. he would save all these things, and then he'd put them into his his book, and he's just accumulated all this stuff. And that's, that's, that's awesome. the coaching part of it. That's, that's what, that's what coaches love to do. So yep. one of the things I, I know we wanted to touch on um, yeah. as we get out of here is the situation that took place yesterday. Here we are talking about coaches and, you know, the importance of a head coach and the leadership and the father figure that they are, they set the example, they set the tone. It's their name on the door, right? It's their program. Yeah. And what took place at the end of that Michigan and Wisconsin game between Jawan Howard and Greg Gard, um, very ugly scene in college basketball. Uh, I was listening to Tom Izzo today. I, I hate to be, you know, the, the guy that wants to talk about it, has to give commentary because it's not our situation. It's their situation. Yeah. Clearly there's so many things that go on into a game where that moment, probably, a, you know, a lot of emotion, uh, a lot's been made of the timeout that was called with 15 seconds left with the 10 second reset. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably should have been a timeout, but, Man, you know, just the way that ended and unfolded and, a, a you know, a, a slap, a punch, whatever you want to call it, thrown by Juwan Howard. And then what followed, which was the players getting involved. And players are emotional and they're going to defend their coach, mm-hmm. both programs. If they see someone throw a punch, you know this. Guys are going to get involved and protect their team, protect their assistants, their supports, everybody that was on that court. And it turns in. We, we saw this, the, the malice in the palace with Ron Artest. Yeah, it takes yeah. one moment, and then all of a sudden, it's in 15 seconds, 20 seconds, all of a sudden, it's a scrum, and it's ugly, and it's a bad scene for, you know, young kids who watch college basketball like we did when we were kids, you know, yeah. that look up to players and coaches. And I know there's been a lot made in the media and the general public, but but for me, I will say that the one thing that bothered me yesterday was the commentary from certain people, and it's probably media, of saying we should get rid of the handshake line. You know, we it's too much emotion. 
And I, I just dis, disagree with that. I, I think in victory and defeat, sportsmanship mm-hmm. is bigger than competition. And yeah. you got to be able to walk across the aisle yeah. and shake the hand of your opponent, whether you win or lose, and carry yourself with class and dignity. And that's what I want in a head coach. Uh, and I love Juwan Howard, by the way. He's a wonderful man. He's smart. He's a terrific coach. Greg Gard has done an incredible job at Wisconsin as well. Uh, had big shoes to fill uh, when he took the job at Wisconsin. And both those yeah. coaches have done a great job. I, I felt bad for both of them um, yesterday because I just thought, man, that that's – I don't care who's at fault. It doesn't matter. Both programs and both schools had to give public releases. University presidents, presidents are involved. ADs are involved. Um, and it just wasn't a good look for college basketball. So I, I'll let you, you – you're a coach. You've been in competition. Yeah, yeah. Even in those moments too where it's – Hey man, a bad call. Something happens. There's a physical moment in a game. We we saw this in with the Kansas and Kansas State game a couple years ago uh, with Silvio De Sosa. You know th- those yeah. things happen. You hate to see them happen. Um, they're a part of get of the game. You wish you wouldn't see them, but for a coach to be involved like that, that that was a really disappointing thing to see. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, the way that you know what the way I look at it, you know, I saw that as well. And, you know, the way I tried to judge it from was from, you know, me being a coach. What would what if that was me in that situation? I tried to put myself in that situation. And obviously it's easy to say that when you're not actually in the situation going full speed. But to me, that's just always it's just always a no, no, because as a coach, you sign up for a leadership role and as a leadership role is to me is, you know, I'm a father of three. And the way I look at it is that is, I'm a father. That is a leadership role. What I do it pretty much, I know all three of my kids are watching. And if I'm doing good things, probably going to inspire them to do good things. If I'm doing bad things, it's probably going to inspire them to do bad things as well, too. Hopefully they'd be smarter than me and say, I don't want to do bad things. I'm uh, don't do that. But most likely the apple doesn't far fall far from the tree especially when you're in the, those leadership roles. So for me, it was when I saw, you know, uh, Coach Howard, uh, you know, I thought he was he opened his hand up and, and hit him across the face. I don't think it was a punch. Right. Um, but um, but just seeing that when when seeing two coaches, I don't care if it's at the youth level, NBA, like seeing two coaches fight, or have an argument like that, or that was a that could have turned into a fight, which it did. Not luckily, not between the two coaches throwing fists, but again, the players, yeah, the players saw that. And if me being a player, I'm not gonna lie, me being a player, if that would have happened under Coach Self or Coach Williams, I was blessed to play under both of them. And they would have done that. I would have, and if they would have done that to another coach or another coach probably would have done that to them, I would have been in defensive mode. Like, well, my coach just hit you. So watch out. Now I got to protect him. Or it would have been like, oh, you just hit my coach. Now I want to protect you. So you, as a leader, you never want to put yourself in a situation like that in front of your kids because you're in a leadership role, like shake hands, say what you want, even argue point fingers at each other because the whole rule in basketball was nobody's ever going to fight. All these tough guys think it's going to be a fight in basketball. What happens? Everybody breaks them up. So as coaches, if you want to, yeah, was I, I think it was a 
petty for calling a timeout like that. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, but the timeout was made. That's when you have to show, you know, who are you as a coach? You know, to me, the biggest quote is the measure of who you are is how you respond when things don't go your way. All right, that's not going your way right now. You don't like the call he made. Well, show your players that you can stand up and be bigger than whatever they what call they just made, whether it's you thought it was disrespectful or not. Show your players that you can still go through the shakeup line. And as a coach, you can still if you wanted to say what you had to say, do that. OK, we all understand. But once you start putting your hands on another coach, uh, it goes bad. But again, I do feel uh, Coach Gart, he had no point. I think it, to me, it looked like Jawan Howard was trying to, he said what he had to say. He was just going to give him a quick walkthrough without eye contact. And then Coach Greg put his uh, put his hands on him, extended yep. again. So yep. we teach our little kids at the PE where I teach, where I teach at. We teach all kids, don't put your hands on anybody. If you don't put your hands on anybody, nothing bad happens. And when you start doing that, that guy has a chance to react negatively or positively. And Coach Howard, chose to you know act negatively on that which i think he had every right to act negative but you just would hope you know him being an nba player a high level player in college he's been said i mean he is he's had so many things negative said to him to where he should be able to to, to be able to take that and just keep it moving and if you want to comment it after it or call the coach up call the coach up and and, and tell him how you feel but there's other ways that you could have handled that uh, as a coach, at least that's the way I feel. Absolutely. It, it, it's basically keep your hands to yourself, right? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. that's like what you learn as a kid. But, you know, it, it, I'm at least squeeze like, his hand or something it, on the head. It, that's right. Like, exactly. you, you don't need to put your hands on, <laughs> no. on a coach ever like that. Yeah. Just, you shouldn't do that. I do think, too, I didn't appreciate Greg Gard's postgame press conference when he said, I don't know if Juwan Howard knows the rule. And, oh, it's a 10 second rule. Everybody knows the rule. You know, the, the timeout was called and he used the timeout as somewhat of an ex, an excuse. You're up 15 points yeah, with yeah. 15 seconds left. Take the yeah. turnover. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And to say the comment of, well, I, I, I want my players to be in the best positions to be successful. I just thought that was feasting yeah, off cheesy. of. Yeah, yeah I, I just thought it was it was a line that just did not make him look good because yeah. it, he should not have called that timeout. Yeah. But end of the day. Michigan was a top 10 ranked team to start the year. They have had a tough year. They've had, they had Hunter Dickinson back who is a great player and they have not played well. They had yeah. Caleb Houston, who is a top freshman who has not played up to the caliber. He's capable of playing. Musa Diabati's finally playing better. They're not getting much out of these freshmen. They thought we're going to really take this team yeah. to the next level where they were a year ago, which was the sweet 16, the elite eight and, and really had a solid year last year. That's been a frustration for Juwan Howard, and it felt like they needed to win that game in yeah. Madison yesterday. That would have yeah. helped them to get into the tournament. And Juwan just signed an extension not that long ago. It was probably two months ago. He signed a contract extension, and it was deserved. You cannot put – you can't – I know that he did get touched first. That's true. Yeah. He did. But you still can't. But you know he – you know, he he was – you can't let go of the, the, yeah. the rope there. You cannot uh -uh. let your emotions <laughs> – and Juwan is a dude. Get him behind the locker room or something, yeah. dude. I mean, Dave with no cameras. I will never forget. I mean, this is a true story. When 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 I was in college, we beat Marquette in the NCAA tournament in overtime, and it was the the game where JT Tiller gets fouled, hurts his wrist, has to come out of the game, and it it was the rule change after that, where Kim mm -hmm. English went to the free throw line, made two free throws, we win the game, and 
we going through the handshake line. Buzz Williams says something to JT Tiller that I can't say on this podcast. We all heard it. And we went back in the tunnel and we were in our locker room for a solid 15 minutes after the win that sent us to the sweet 16 and our coaches were waiting outside the Marquette locker. <laughs> I mean, that, now not that they were going to get into any physical education, but you, but they, yeah. the, you know, those, our coaches were like, no, 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 you don't yeah. put your hands on yeah. a player yeah. or a coach and you don't say things like that yeah. or things escalate. It's like pouring gasoline on a yeah, fire for sure. Especially with a bunch of competitors and got in, in a moment of an NCAA tournament game and a, down to the wire. And it's a controversial call slash, you know, there was a, a comment made from Buzz Williams that JT wasn't hurt. Well, he was hurt. He tore ligaments in his wrist. He couldn't even move his hand. You know, so there's these things that just happen. And yeah. coaches need to understand you cannot do those things because mm-hmm. the one moment and your reputation is ruined. That's what do me, these coaches tell their players? That's exactly right. They That's tell them exactly that they right. need to well, – as, as, and as a coach, you tell your play, you, you need to be able to walk away. You need to be able to control your emotions. As a coach, I'm always saying that. And as a coach, I'm always trying to evaluate myself. Like, I'll watch film too and be like, oh, man, I don't like my body language on that. Like, I'm sitting here telling my players when the breath makes a call, have good body language, and then you see me. <sighs> so if I'm doing that and they see me doing that, well, they know, uh, well, maybe I can do it too because if I do it, coach is going to have my back. So yep. it's the same yep. thing, man. Coach K always has done this where he shakes a kid's hand and then he puts his hand on their chest. And, you know, so the, one of the greatest coaches of all time, that, that's kind of been a com- top topic of conversation is, you know, Coach K sometimes does some of this stuff and it's led to some other coaches doing this stuff. But it, it's, it's true that coaches always tell you, you know, don't hurt the team. Don't do, don't do something to embarrass the team. And in that situation, both those coaches embarrass their programs, whether they like it or not. And coach guard can say, well, he, you know, he pointed his finger at me and all this stuff. And it's, it's okay. Like both coaches have whatever their reasons are, are, but you're grown (laughs) men, man, you're adults. And like, you cannot do that. Uh, Anyway, it was, it was an ugly look for, for college basketball and, I think we'd be remiss to talk about it. And you as a coach, too, I know you saw that. You're a former player. I think any former college basketball player that's played at a high level uh, or played competitively, too, at that has probably been around some of those coaches. And I would say, too, how many times do we see this at the youth level with parents yeah. oh. and, you know, AAU coaches? And it's embarrassing. It's, they fight it's, refs. <laughs> yeah, they fight with refs. I mean, like, yeah. there are things that you want to eliminate and to do yeah. that at the Big Ten level on CBS – the the weekend after the Pro Bowl or yeah. excuse me the Super Bowl concludes, yeah. so college basketball now takes everything, yeah. right? The, the NBA is on the All Star break. The yeah. NBA doesn't get going until after the NCAA tournament, right? And so that's when the NBA picks up big time. So it was just that moment of like, man, college basketball here they are, CBS Sunday afternoon, everybody's watching, and then that that you know ensues. Not what you want. Uh, if if you're a Big Ten, you know, coach in the Big Ten conference or just college basketball in general. Yeah. And like you said, man, that kind of filters down to the to the youth. There's some young kid out there or there's some young coach that just hasn't been mentored by the right uh, by the right coach or by the right person that he saw that. And he might he might think it's OK to do that. So that's why it's never. It's never a good look when it's coming from the top because those those guys are not only leaders for their for their 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 current players but their universities but 
I mean, just for basketball in general, they're the communities that they're a part of. I mean, they're looked at as the leaders of uh, this is kind of how the template of basketball is supposed to be done. So when you see stuff like that at a high level and uh, especially from a, a, a division one aspect, it's, it's never it never sets well. Nope. We got two weeks left. Lots yep. of, a lot of a lot of college basketball to go. Uh, case Kansas hosts K-State tomorrow night, Tuesday now Fieldhouse Mizzou hosts Tennessee. Uh, we'll have more to break down next week. Yep. Jeff, always uh, always fun always. to connect, man. Catch up. We'll talk next week. You betcha. See ya. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com